Man City lose here whilst they're not competing. Did get yellow carded very early on in the match for being a bit too eager coming out of her goal and taking out, I think it was Leah Carlton. But, uh... <laughs> Subscribe to the OTB Koyig pod on the OTB Sports app now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette, for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. You're very welcome back. So a slightly different start of the show than usual. Thanks to Graham Stevens for staying on and talking to us about Ireland's 1-0 win against Slovakia. As mentioned, Brian O'Driscoll will be in studio after 8 o'clock. He's made a documentary about retirement. Uh, his own reflections very much included. So we're going to chat to him about that after 8 o'clock. It is a Champions League evening. We'll keep you abreast of everything going on. Uh, we will also check in with Andy Mitten, editor of United We Stand, and then the Wrexham-based journalist Bryn Law, who you'll know from uh, Sky Sports News down the years, we're talking about the whole Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, Hollywood takeover at Wrexham. Uh, one of the less expected football stories of recent times. Bryn will give us the inside story ahead of this new Welcome to Wrexham documentary series. So quite interested to chat to Bryn about goings on there since 2021, early 2021 when they took over. Uh, 53106 is the text number. We're at Off The Ball on Twitter. Will O'Callaghan is here, here in studio. Hello, Will. Thank you, Joe. You well? Welcome Very back. well. Thanks a million. Richie McCormack. Hello, Richie. Jesus, Joe, it's a mighty colour on you. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, Your tan don't burn. It's been noted. It's been noted. Uh, can I give you a line from uh, Sam Fells of Deadspin, who has reviewed this Disney Plus documentary on uh, Wrexham? Welcome yep. to Wrexham, the documentary series. So uh, he's <laughs> Sam Fells, I'm not sure if uh, well, Sam, male or female, but Sam Fells of Deadspin says of the uh, series Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney are really nice guys and if you don't believe it just ask them the series is not so much a sports documentary as a vehicle for the celeb owners to show just how likeable they are which is an interesting line so we'll see what Bryn makes of it all Bryn is in the documentary a lot so I'm not so sure he's going to pan it as such I'm sure he'll say it's uh, very good but there's definitely a sense from a few of the reviews I've made or read rather that uh, Reynolds and McElhenney uh, definitely come off as the good guys well well I did see a clip from it which gave the impression that I'm not sure how tongue in cheek the guys were being within the clip Joe but basically it was McElhenney talking about you know what the people of Wrexham and what the club means and he basically was saying oh it's very like Philadelphia working class city you know how important the sporting team is and then he was asked by the person making the documentary have you ever been to Wrexham and he was like no yeah so I, I don't know how tongue in cheek that was well, I think it turns out as well that they had agreed to make the documentary before they agreed to buy the club. Right. So, like, there's a real, there's a deep-rooted suspicion amongst Wrexham fans. That's, like, an aspect to this, that they're like, who are these guys coming in? And I think it's understandable as well. You're oh, thinking yeah. these guys could just be doing this for attention on Twitter and this might not be 100% serious. Yeah. So, well, we'll see what Bryn makes of it all. Uh, we should start the news round before time really gets away from us. The news round brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Richie, I presume you're uh, starting with Ireland's win. We were just talking about it there. Yeah, the Republic of Ireland, as we heard, securing a bye to the second round of Women's World Cup qualifiers. Denise O'Sullivan strike eight minutes before halftime. Good enough for a 1-0 win over Slovakia in Senyets. Ireland advance as one of the three best second place teams of the group stage. And they'll be in the second round of playoff games, which will take place on the 11th of October. Excellent result. Not a classic. 
Yeah, it's a fair observation. Yeah, it was a pretty laboured performance. I don't think Slovakia offered a whole lot throughout the game. Um, the Republic of Ireland profiting from a Slovakian mistake in the lead up to the goal. And it was a really good finish by Denise Sullivan because the ball was behind her. It wasn't the best cutback from Zoo once she got into space. Slovakian defender got kind of half a foot and Denise Sullivan had to readjust. And it was a very clever finish to put it between two defenders and into the bottom corner. And then after that, uh, very few chances for either side. But we've had so many of these games and we were talking to Dan about this on the show last night, Joe, that you know, the Republic of Ireland went to Ukraine with that golden opportunity to qualify for the European Championships and you know had a miserable performance where there was a bizarre own goal and they hit the crossbar and didn't play anywhere near the standard they had in the rest of qualifying. In this case, you probably take a not-so-great performance, but the results, just to guarantee, they're in the top three teams of seeds and get to jump past one round of the qualifiers. It's remarkable to think that Ireland are now one tie away from going to the World Cup finals in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, for sure. More reaction on its way back from uh, Slovakia across the course of the show Ashling's out there we'll be speaking to uh, Vera Penn some of the players you would presume meanwhile it's a sure sign that winter is coming Richie yeah it is they're into the second half indeed into the final 10 minutes in this evening's first game in Group E of the Champions League Dinamo Zagreb continue to lead Chelsea by a goal to nil Mislav Orsic with that goal 13 minutes into the first half Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang made his first start for Chelsea in the Croatian capital there uh, but they remain 1-0 down into the final 8 minutes the other game in that group kicks off at 8 and sees Salzburg play AC Milan Real Madrid's defence of the trophy begins in Group F they are away to Celtic from 8 elsewhere in that group Orbi Leipzig play Shakhtar Donetsk Manchester City's Group G campaign begins away to Sevilla another 8 o'clock kickoff. the other game in that group had a 5.45 start Borussia Dortmund are 2-0 up at home to Copenhagen both the goals coming in the first half from Marco Royce now 33 years young and Rafael Guerrero getting the second there the other games are in Group H tonight Paris Saint-Germain are at home to Juventus and Benfica are playing host to Maccabi Haifa the Celtic game catches the eye it does, um, particularly given how well Celtic played at the weekend. I mean, they brushed Rangers aside and Rangers are a decent team at the moment. I mean, they qualified for the Europa League final last year, had started the season reasonably well, qualified for the first time in seven for the group stages of the Champions League and Celtic were so, so good at the weekend. The big team news coming out of this one is the fact that Kyogo is not fit to start after he hurt his shoulder at the weekend. His absence didn't really matter in that 4-0 victory at Parkhead, but Kyogo is on the bench, as is Ireland's James McCarthy. But outside of that, Celtic pretty much full strength and the indication will be their typical 4-3-3 has been picked here Matt O'Reilly's the player probably to watch out for for Celtic uh, with the start he's made to the season um, Jota and Abada in the effective wing forward positions are going to carry a huge threat but you look at the strength Joe of that Real Madrid team uh, I think it's just one change from the Champions League final victory so Valverde is going to be in support of Benzema and Vinicius up front uh, Chiuameni will play at the base of midfield Cruz and Modric the two central midfielders Carvajal Militao Alaba and Ferlamendi will be the defence in Courtois and goal. So mm. it's uh, Chiuameni coming in for Casemiro is the only change from Paris. Tony Cruz had a dig at his old teammate Casemiro there in the build to this game. He was saying he's very thankful that, you know, he and many of his Real Madrid teammates don't just think about money. Which is <laughs> hell of a dig at Casemiro who's uh, sitting on, I think, 370 grand a week they pay. Right. You're 30 Casemiro. years of age, Joe. You've won everything in the game. You're a five-time European champion. Yeah. And someone says to you that you're going to get paid more than a million quid a month to play football for the next five seasons. Yeah. You're jumping at the opportunity. He can say it's all about going to the Premier League and testing himself somewhere new. To be guaranteed that type of money for five seasons is oh, incredible. I'd say you can't believe it. Uh, Anish Postacoglu, meanwhile, I think is uh, just at the moment charming. Everybody was asked in the build of this game... Do you want to calm the fans' expectations down? You know, good at the weekend, but this is Real Madrid. 
and in this very likable way I mean it's probably just the accent as much as anything but I just feel like he reminds me a bit of Michael Cheka almost just that forthrightness with the media he was like why would I want to do that it was a great response he let said, everyone well, have a good time why would I burst the bubble for yeah, the supporters just coming come off the back of a 4-0 victory yeah. in the derby and I think that's the way Celtic have to look at it I mean their results in Europe under Brendan Rodgers were very up and down and there were sometimes that Celtic would change their approach when a big team would come to town there's almost something refreshing about the fact that Celtic are going to be true to the style that they've played under Ange Postacoglu mm-hmm. for good or for bad tonight. I mean, Real Madrid could well pick them off and at the same time, the crowd at Parkhead might well get behind Celtic and this might be a huge performance. With the way they've started the season, they banged in nine the week before, four against Rangers at the weekend. They will probably feel their best chance of doing well against Real Madrid is carrying a threat themselves tonight. So they've backed their own ability. Yeah. Uh, On this uh, Brandon Driscoll chat coming up after eight o'clock, somebody on YouTube, Darren says, life after retirement, Bod clearly uh, keeping the fitness up anyway. He could probably still pull on that 13 jersey for Ireland. I I wouldn't be surprised if his body fat was lower now than... I wasn't going directly to his personal trainer after you spoke to him. I think he goes every day. It comes up. So this uh, documentary, it's called After the Roar, as in after the cheering stops when you've retired. It's effectively a documentary on retirement. He's made it with um, his production company, him and Craig Doyle of this production company, (coughs) Three Rock uh, Productions. And he speaks to uh, lots of really interesting people, the likes of A.P. McCoy, Gareth Southgate, Michael Cech. There's a boxer, Anthony Agogo, who won bronze at London and then got an injury to his eye and had to retire when he was... He's a wrestler now, Joe. He's a wrestler now, yeah. That's right, yeah. When he was really making waves and he had to retire young. Uh, Richie Sadlier is there as well, both as a psychotherapist and then him and Brian O'Driscoll chat. So the way the documentary sort of works is O'Driscoll having like a therapy session with Sadlier interspersed with O'Driscoll going to see Anthony McCoy and interviewing him and Gareth Southgate and these people. And so uh, they've, uh, you know, lots of really interesting things to say about retirement. And O'Driscoll's open about the fact that his retirement looked very seamless from the outside, but was far from it. And there were a couple of difficult years in there. So we'll we'll chat to him about that after eight o'clock. AP McCoy, as ever, just kind of sizzles on screen with a mad kind of wonderful intensity. So at one point they're talking about his records and, you know, how attached are you to your records as in your 20 champion jockey uh, titles and, and, you know, the the worry that someone might break those records, you know. And A.P. McCoy is like, I I could not bear it if anyone breaks my records. Like, I cannot bear it. So Brian Driscoll says, like, at one stage to him, so, like, if in 20 years someone comes along and breaks your record and A.P. McCoy says, like, deadly serious, I hope I'm dead before that happens. Wow. As in even like, like even if it is, if it's only 20 years away, I hope I'm dead before it. I couldn't bear it. Does not speak something about the drive of a sportsman though. I know you spoke to Brian about the idea of, you know, him retiring and maybe others being considered the best Irish player of all time because this is the feeling that Brian is right up there at the top of the Mount Rushmore of Irish rugby that someone else could come along and take his place. Yeah. Yeah, if you're a driven sports person where ego is naturally going to kick in somewhat and you're someone like AP McCoy who has set all of those records, naturally you would hate the idea that anyone... Like, that's obviously how he drove himself throughout his career. You get up after the injuries he's had to keep fighting. And he was such an extreme. Like, to be champion jockey, that's not about quality. That's about quantity. And going to every race meeting and probably picking up one or two rides along the way. That is driving to Newcastle for one ride. Mm. Whereas Ruby Walsh is like, sod that. Now I'll clean up at Cheltenham and the big days, but I'm not driving to Newcastle to ride one horse and maybe, like, fall on my backside and come home again. Whereas A.V. McCoy did that and for like 20 years. That's the other thing. I, maybe, okay, I'm going to make a big effort for this year or two. 20 years of that lifestyle. Uh, so, um, yeah, he's kind of extraordinary. And so um, 
we'll talk to Brian Driscoll about all of that after eight o'clock. It's on BT Sport One uh, Friday at 10 o'clock. Though he was saying that uh, his wife is on the Late Late Show at the same time. It's so unfortunately scheduling a conference. Who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah. So he's on the phone in the green room <laughs> while she's on stage at the Late Late. Yeah. So that's on the way after eight. Where are we going next, Rich? Uh, I should mention Chelsea being kept or just kept at bay by Dominic Lavakovic in the Dinamo Zagreb goal. Uh, the Croat keeper pulling off a string of brilliant saves to keep the home side in front. Still 1-0 remains as they tip into added time there. Uh, Dortmund now 3-0 up at home to Copenhagen. Jude Bellingham has scored that third for the hosts. At the US Open, Kasper Ruud is two sets to love up on Matteo Berrettini in their quarter final. The fifth seed Ruud took the first 6-1, followed that up with a 6-4 victory in the second. Berrettini was up a break in the third but it's now 5-5 in that third set elsewhere and indeed following them this evening will be the meeting of the fifth seed Ons Jabeur and Isla Tomjanovic the conquerors Serena Williams of course later tonight Coco Goff plays Caroline Garcia and the last match of the night sees Wimbledon finals Nick Kyrgios up against Karen Kashinov Rafa Nadal's campaign was snuffed out by a four set defeat to Francis Tiafo last night and following a season beset by injuries the 22 time Grand Slam champion could not say when he'd be back only that he was beaten by the better man. It's all about play better because at the end, uh, this sport, it's about, uh, you know, give the opportunities, take the opportunities and uh, try to save when the opponent uh, is doing well. No, and I was not able to to do <laughs> anything, <laughs> any of these things uh, this afternoon. So he was able to do it. Uh, he played with the right determination. Yeah, congrats to him. Wish him all the very best. I need to go back, I need to fix uh, things, life, and then uh, I don't know when I'm gonna, when I'm gonna come back. I, I'm gonna try to be uh, ready mentally. Uh, when I feel that I, I will be ready to compete again, I will, I will be there. So who has this US Open opened up for then? I have no idea who's going to win the men's or the women's in this one. I mean, Medvedev is obviously still there as defending champion in the men's, but so many of the seeds have fallen, particularly on the women's side of the draw. We were wondering if maybe it was going to open up for Serena Williams to have the fairy tale story and possibly get to the end of this and yeah. retire uh, winning on centre court um, next weekend. But, you know, she was eventually knocked out in round three as well. So I don't know, Rich. I mean, you've been trying to keep an eye on definitely the matches in the social era. Is there anyone that stands out for you on either side of the draw? Yeah, Medvedev obviously beaten by Kyrgios in the last round. Um, and I don't know, I have a feeling that given all he learned, even though he's still acting the maggot in Flushing Meadows, given the amount of mental uh, preparedness, I guess, that he would have taken on board and getting to a Grand Slam final for the first time uh, at Wimbledon, I think he's probably banked that and can take it through to get into the final here if he can just keep it between the ditches. I wouldn't bet against Carlos Alcaraz, who's been really impressive, super young, still still third seed. Uh, and on the women's side of things, I don't know, Iga Swiatek last night was really ropey. Um, she was lucky enough to come through a three-setter against Eula Niemeyer, who's served just deteriorated in the last set and a half. Uh, but Swiatek still has to be regarded as one of the favourites. But I wouldn't bet against Coco Goff. I think there's something uh, as regards being next to her name and being a potential to finally uh, win a Grand Slam this time around. But again, pretty wide open. Um, although Alcaraz is probably the man to keep an eye on in, in the men's row. And when you say Kyrgios is acting the maggot? Still the same old, same old, you know, <laughs> criticising people in, in the crowds, uh, kind of antics in, in matches between his opponents. It's just, 
uh, stuff you can kind of do without and stuff you could probably do without but it pro- it's probably a crutch from at this stage to try and set aside the mental aspect of, of keeping in a high stakes match he can probably create a distraction for himself that takes away a lot of the the nervous energy that associates with being in a, a high stakes match like that and I guess that's how he deals with things at this stage but like I say getting to that Grand Slam final at Wimbledon even though he to a degree tanked us a little bit in the final uh, against Djokovic has been huge and I don't think it should be underestimated and once you get that muscle memory of getting to a Grand Slam final and getting within you know a hair's breadth of lifting a first slam that sticks with you and that's something that gnaws at you and I think he'll want to actually go and prove that he is he is a player Mm. this time around in, in Flushing Meadows okay so some interesting GEA news yeah uh, all-star backroom teams a go-go Tipperary legend Owen Kelly has been added to David Fitzgerald's Waterford backroom staff uh, former Waterford hurler Peter Queeley will also work under Fitzgerald in his second term Kelly was part of Liam Sheedy's backroom team when Tip won the All-Ireland in 2019 and Queeley was in charge of Rowan Moore this season and of course a former player uh, for the data uh, meanwhile James Stevens have a up-and-comer who might do something in the game I think so, yeah. Um, Brian Cody has made an immediate return to hurling. The 11-time All-Ireland winning manager has been confirmed as a selector for his club, James Stevens. Cody stepped in, of course, in July following Kilkenny's All-Ireland final <laughs> defeat. So, like, all the management team think one thing and then Brian Cody says, mm, I'd probably pick him. Oh, yeah. yeah, good luck with that. Uh, the club were keen to stress he's already been helping out, I think, with some of the underage teams and okay. you're already doing some coaching. But naturally, uh, good luck making the call over the 11-time All-Ireland winning manager if you think a change has to be made in the rest of James Stevens' campaign but I'm interested with with Owen Kelly as well the fact that he would have worked with Davey previously I think as well I think um, would have played under him at Fitzgibbon level uh, with LIT I'd say that was probably in the mid noughties probably 05, 06 that kind of area and they would have won a Fitzgibbon so um, yeah he was uh, seen as a very important kind of forward and skills coach in 2019 as part of that management team with Eamon O'Shea and Liam Sheedy so um, Davey is kind of casting the net a little bit with this backroom team he's putting together for Waterford and he's convinced that he can get them over the line in either Munster or the All-Ireland next year yeah Cody back at James Stevens is a lovely thing though isn't it there's such a romance to that and uh, you can imagine the impact he's going to have on younger players there who will never be county players and suddenly Brian Cody's talking to them there's a great piece on uh, YouTube if you dig it out of Cody talking to a bunch of coaches Mm. from around the county and it's like right ask ask him questions whatever you want and they fire him different questions about what should the centre back do I follow the man or stay or different you know just bits of advice they were looking for and he he talked for it's, it's about an 8, 9, 10 minute clip on YouTube and honestly everything he says is both so straightforward and has so much wisdom and authority in it and uh, like I, you just I, I, I feel such a regret that we've never got a behind the scenes of Cody in action where he's bringing this real like I said straightforward simplistic makes total sense kind of a, a, a brilliance to a dressing room and I'm like these coaches but do you think pace is the most important thing and they all you know and he starts off well pace is important but then he explains how it's not you know it, 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 I can't even I can't I, you need to see it just dig it out on YouTube it's it's one of the lesser It's it doesn't have a billion views mm. just look for Brian Cody talking to coaches something like that and it's 10 minutes and it's it's him kind of unguarded and talking about what he loves which is not referees, yeah. not controversy, not annoying questions about are you going to win the All-Ireland this year? Just honest to goodness, Harlan. 
Let's yeah. talk hurling, and it's great. You know, I think he's very good when he talks in a yeah slightly withdrawn, more abstract way, as opposed to talking about Kilkenny itself. Because he was never going to want to give away any of the of insights about the camp itself. I think there's another YouTube video which is well worth checking out. Which again is, I think he's speaking to a business group. I've seen that. Where yeah. again he's being asked very directly about the ideas of leadership and setting standards. I, like I find Cody so interesting yeah. from that point of view because how can someone be successful for that long? And still keep it fresh and to various different groups coming in because I often talk to Paul Murphy about this in the hurling pod. How do you get to a point where you've got the modern group now who come in who are so different to the first teams that Cody would have taken over in the late 90s? Like so much has changed just about society, technology, approaches to the game and everything else. And yet Cody was that consistent line in Kilkenny between the success from pretty much the end of his career, winning a Leinster in his last season to, you know, turning a team around that lost an All-Ireland final in 1998. Yeah. It's incredible longevity and adaptive, uh, being so adaptive to the situation the players you have around you as well. I think he's a very, very interesting guy. It's, I know. and We like we never knew you. That's yeah. the, the more is the pity, but... Uh, like, I don't know. I, I like the mystery. I like the mystery. There was, um, there was a, a clip of Fred Rogers, uh, obviously, the Mr. Rogers, Welcome to My Neighbourhood, um, person from PBS doing the rounds. I think he was talking to Charlie Rose in the late nineties. Oh, Tom Hanks plays and him in that relatively him, recent yeah. film. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And he was saying he was he was talking about his book at the time, and he was saying that I think what the world has lost in all of the noise that you have in modern society, and this is granted twenty odd years ago now, uh, is a sense of wonder. And I think this, there remains a sense of wonder about Brian Cody simply because he's never gone in depth. He's never done that big personal one on one. And he's never disclosed the secrets and he's never opened the vault. And I think if he continued on never opening the vault, I don't know, I think the world would be a slightly better place for it. I think that, I think there's room in the world for a little bit of wonder, especially as it comes to, to sport. I don't yeah. think everything needs to be how the sausage is made, really. Yeah, I just based on the, the few bits, I, I totally accept what you're saying and probably agree with you, but based on the few little bits that are there on YouTube, I just would love to see a touch more of him in action doing his thing. By the way, if a local journalist in Kilkenny has not joined James Stevens now, then <laughs> you're just not trying hard. I mean, is that not the ultimate feature piece? I joined James Stevens and Brian Cody was a selector and here's what I discovered about the man. This kind of reminds me of Christy O'Connor Jr.'s uh, where he did a year basically embedded within his local club and yeah. it became incredibly difficult for him to publish it because they didn't have the best of years not to give it away if anyone wants to you know, look at the season that they had but yeah. it is one of those things where he's literally has the behind the scenes access he's one of the people within the camp as well yeah. it would be an intriguing documentary or book if someone could get that kind of access yeah well there you go that's the news this evening Brian Cody is now a selector for his club James Stevens so he's still very much involved in hurling uh, meanwhile Richie uh, Virami Vakatawa is one of the most uh, exciting players in the world uh, so very yeah. sad news on his re- early retirement yeah Chelsea beaten by the way Orsic's goal on 13 minutes has been enough for Dinamo Zagreb tonight in Dortmund winning 3-0 but as you mentioned there the France centre of Rimi Vakatawa has revealed that a heart issue is behind his early retirement he announced his retirement yesterday rather his club Racing confirmed that he won't be allowed to continue playing in France a heart condition was detected prior to the 2019 World Cup but experts have told him that the risk of playing on now is too great the 30 year old won 30 caps for his adopted country France and scored one of his 10 international tries against Ireland during the 2020 Six Nations yeah, that's a big pity. A big loss for France as well. Uh, cricket, meanwhile. Yeah, Ireland's women have secured a T20 series win over Scotland in uh, pretty disappointing circumstances, I guess you'd say today. Ray Edinburgh forced an end to the day's play with Ireland 83 runs away from their host target with 90 deliveries remaining in their innings. But the weather refused to clear and Ireland won the game by 18 runs via the Duckworth-Lewis method. They will meet again on Thursday. John Ram.
This is a good one. Uh, John Ram admits there is added tension in the locker room ahead of this week's BMW Championship. A number of players who've defected to the Saudi-backed Live Series are in the field for the tournament at Wentworth. Unlike on the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour still allows Live golfers to play, and Ram believes that that is unfair. In my understanding, there is certain of a double standard when it comes to the relationship Liv has with the European Tour and the PGA Tour. Right, The PGA Tour can't survive without some of the biggest stars because there's so many new ones coming in. Uh, European Tour nowadays is some of those big names that you still may need. Right, um, And there are some players in Live Golf that have dedicated their entire life to European Tour. And precisely this event, they've played here combined possibly more than 70 times right mm-hmm. i can think of just four names that would add up to that so um i don't necessarily disagree too much with that what i do disagree with is some of the names that have never never presented expressed any support towards the european tour any interest or the event whatsoever and to be given those players an opportunity and take it from people that have dedicated themselves to the european tour i think it's wrong um and it is a little bit more personal this time for me because the first player out on the list is a Spanish player, Alfredo Garcia Heredia, a great friend of mine, who's played 20 European Tour events this year. Mm-hmm. And then you have a few guys that... Taylor Gooch, Abraham Anser. I'm not, not going to name anybody, but the only reason they're here for is well ranking points, hoping they can finish in the top 50 to fin- play certain majors. That's clear as day. And if they're saying otherwise, they're not fooling anybody, at least not me. So uh, that's to me where the mistake comes in. I'm not opposed to Sergio or Westy or... GMAC or Polter being here because they've dedicated their life to European tour but there's some names that you know to me and even Patrick Reed he's 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 played European tour he's played the DP world tour he's been here for the last few years he's Mm. played the European the Porsche Open right as well so he has shown some interest so I think he he has earned his right to be here but there's some players that even though they qualified however they qualified I think uh they're taking the spots from some players that deserve it way more than they do. Whew. Rambo. Awesome. Yeah. So you did mean Taylor Gooch. You basically excluded everybody else. <laughs> the, the interviewer saying that only leaves Taylor Gooch. I love that. Yeah. Jamie, Jamie Weir was like giving him the right chance and he kind of went, I'm not going to name names, but I'm yeah. going to keep going here. So, I mean, this is a difficult situation for the, I keep calling it the European Tour. VP World Tour. Yeah. That just hasn't quite landed, has it? No. Difficult uh, for the European tour in that this has been decided in courtrooms. So in an American courtroom, the ruling was, well, if you've gone to live golf, then the PGA tour don't have to welcome you back to uh, PGA tour events. However, you'll remember there was an injunction in a European court, Ian Poulter and a couple of others uh, took it so they could play in a Scottish Open. And that injunction was successful. So it means that Wentworth, which is like the big flagship European event, a lot of the live guys can uh, pitch up and play. So there's a a simmering tension there and well John Ram is saying I don't mind the G-Max of the world but it's the others like Taylor Gooch I have a problem with I'd say a lot of the players do also mind G-Mac and, and any of the players who've left for uh, live so it's going to be a kind of um, uncomfortable week it's going to be think. touchy I'm looking forward to seeing some of the pairings Wentworth. and whether they're creative about some of the groupings they, that they put out they don't put Ram and Gooch in the same group <laughs> honestly put McIlroy with two live golfers so uh, that starts Thursday. Golf Weekly coming at you on, on Thursday. We'll be talking all about it. Um, do you want to fit in one last quick uh, story there on Luke Donald? 
Yeah, he's going to have a dress rehearsal as European Ryder Cup captain at a new event in January. He'll pick two 10-man teams, one from Ireland and Great Britain, the other from continental Europe for the newly crowned Hero Cup. The competition will take place in Dubai, of course, and its format will mirror the Ryder Cup. The teams will be picked at the end of the DP World Tour season in November. Okay, very good. Richard, thank you. Thank you, Joseph. William. Cheers, lads.